welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I am David Bax. And thank you for listening. David. Yeah. How you doing? Uh, I, I'm, I'm feeling like I'm going to be a little rusty because we're doing like a regular episode, you, me, and a topic. I know. Which we haven't done since like before the Oscars. Yeah, you uh, you emailed saying like, I guess we need to do a topic. It's like, ah, jeez. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Um, okay. Because what I we want to... So. Uh, um, obviously, we had our uh, Oscar end of year type of, you know, we had our best of, our mm-hmm. Oscar wrap up, our individual achievements episode. Then uh, I want to thank Moises Chuyan and mm-hmm. uh, West Anthony for both uh, both being great guests. Those are both great great conversations. Mm-hmm. And we didn't really have to do that much. Yeah. So now the onus is back on us. I enjoy that word. But I, but I never did. Get- the onus is back on us. Nice. Yeah. I write. Check out BattleshipRetention.com, everybody. <laughs> yes, and uh, speaking of which, uh, sorry for the uh, day and a half to two days that the site was uh, having some troubles. Uh, I assure you, everything is safe. You can go and read things. Your, <laughs> yeah, your computer, computer will not will be, be safe. Even if it's a PC like mine, it'll be fine. Yeah. Um, and not our fault, right? Uh, no, I don't think it was our fault. Okay. Good. So... Um, yeah, so uh, yeah, please check out the website. I know I I beg all the time, but I'm really proud of what's going on over there. Not just the stuff that Tyler and I are writing, but uh, or not. Um, <laughs> but we've got you know uh, Matt Warren and Daniel Bergamini and Scott Nye and Kyle Anderson. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, uh, those are the main ones, right? Those are the main ones. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. They're, they're all doing uh, all doing a great a great job. All turning stuff out, and we're really happy to have them aboard and happy to have them. Uh, Writing stuff for free for us every week, sometimes multiple times a week. And I and what I what I do like is they do fill in certain you know gaps that you and I are are missing. You know, for example, uh, Kyle. I don't mean to you know dismiss the other guys, but Kyle is the one jumping to mind right now. He has a surprising knowledge of like cheap B movies from like uh-huh. the '60s and '70s that I don't that yeah. are not even on my radar, and so. His knowledge of that, and then I don't, you know, I didn't know anything about, uh, I think we mentioned this uh, last week, like the BBC, it was the BBC, BBS, BBS I'm sorry, I was like, BBC is not right, the BBS <laughs> series, obviously, I don't know anything about it, um, but that was on, you know, Scott's radar, and so he opted to do that, and so I really do appreciate what they're all doing, not merely because they're doing it for free and, and all of that, but the fact that they're bringing different aspects of you know cinephilia uh-huh. uh to the website so yeah you can you can go and and read uh reviews of movies new and old yeah and um participate in the forum absolutely uh that's a little foreshadowing for somewhere down the line foreshadowing for somewhere down the line yeah forum foreshadowing forum <laughs> forum shadowing <laughs> um uh, Okay, so yeah, the the forum will become a bigger part of the website eventually. Right. Um, right now, it is it is separate from the website. You can you can click a link to get there. Yeah. And so it's not a problem. But uh, we don't necessarily like that you have to leave navigate, our website. Yeah, navigate yeah. away from the site to to take part in the so forum. Eventually so eventually, that's not going to be the case anymore. We're, we're we're working on it, and you can help us work on it. Oh, well done, David. By donating, which mm-hmm. now we accept donations. Twelve months out of the year, absolutely. We're we're always the door is always open. We're always open for business. When <laughs> the door and our hands are <laughs> yeah, always our open. Pockets, yeah. our hats, 
um, <laughs> our uh, guitar cases um, are always open. You can always uh, you can always give us give us your money. We're we're not too proud to beg, uh, but we're particularly not too proud to beg at this time of year. Mm-hmm. It's our annual donation drive. Absolutely. And is this is this going to be our last week to accept donations, or is it going to be uh, including next week as well? I believe we will announce the winners on the next episode, episode 212. Okay. Okay. That will have been one month. All right, just making sure. Okay, <laughs> so, you, so you, you've only got a week, everybody. All right, so here's how this is going to work. We, uh, do you want to talk about these now, or do you want to just hold off? Uh, we, we, yeah, you know what? Hand it over here. Okay. We got the, we got the list of... We, Good we talked re- about the awesome prizes last week. Um, they're pretty much the same as they were last week, I think. There have been a couple uh, added. Yeah, a couple of, of small things. But uh, in the in past the past two years, our third year doing this, the past two years, we've done three packages you could win. Right. Uh, this time, we've our, our past guests have been so generous mm-hmm. in giving us stuff to give away that we're going to break it up into five packages. Right. Um, so More chances to win something. And all these packages are pretty solid. Yeah, in no, in no particular order. Right. The packages are... Uh, one, you, you'll get $35 worth of credit at our online store, which includes the Amazon store and DVDs. You can, yes. You can put it towards DVDs. I would rather you put it towards something that said Battleship Retention on it. There's some really cute stuff over there. It's real cute. There's some coffee mugs. Yeah. I think there's like a shirt for a dog to wear. Yeah. Yeah. There's stuff for children. Yeah. It's adorable. That's $35. You can get some stuff. Uh, we'll throw in a shirt from our friends at Geek Tyrant, uh, as well as... A signed, signed copy of Kavi, yep. the Oscar-nominated short film Kavi, mm-hmm. and then another signed copy right, yep. of Reservations, the non-Oscar-nominated Oscar-nominated short film. Not yet. Dire- not yet. Directed by, uh, by Jason Eakin, starring Tyler Smith and featuring, featuring a commentary by me, Tyler Smith, and Jason Eakin. You're not Tyler Smith. I am. <laughs> me, Tyler Smith. You're right. All right. Uh, that was very Al Franken-like. Me, so, right. Tyler Smith. So that's one package right there. That's just one. Another package will be, okay, people know about Never Not Funny. Yeah. It's the greatest comedy podcast there is, probably the greatest podcast there is. It's the reason that we're podcasting. Yep. Uh, and they, you know, Matt and Jimmy have been so great to us is Battleship Pretension. And, and Matt, and I'm assuming Jimmy knows about this, but Matt is my contact, has been so, <laughs> so generous with this, for this, uh, this donation drive. Not only as part of Never Not Funny, but also as, uh, as the uh, co-owner of a special thing records. So uh, you're going to get a lot of stuff donated by Matt. So even if you don't win, go and sign up for Never Not Funny because it's worth it. Mm-hmm. And Matt is a big supporter of this show in a way that we really, really appreciate. Absolutely. Um, and we we wouldn't be podcasting if we weren't for Matt and Jimmy anyway. So the next package, the first five seasons. That's we talked about it last week. One hundred and seventy eight episodes, I think. Sure. Of Never Not Funny, um, f- seasons four and five include some video segments as well. So you right. get the entire audio podcast for five seasons. Now season one is sixty episodes. Yep. And that includes our friend Mike Schmidt. Yep. From the forty year old boy. Season two is forty. So that's a hundred episodes right there. See, three, four, and five are 26 episodes each. Um, what kind of stars do we have? People who've been on this show, right? <laughs> okay, you got you got the Sklar brothers. Yeah. You got Jen Kirkman. Of course. You got Paul Rust. Yeah, the best. You got, you got Mike Is he C- in? Wait, is he in one through five? 
Oh, you know what? I think he wasn't. I think I think he might be on five. Oh, okay. I'm not 100 percent on that. I know our friend Jesse Thorne was on season five. Right. I think that was his first. Maybe Mike Siegel. Yeah. Paul Gilmartin. Yeah. Jimmy Dore. Jimmy Dore. Pat Francis. Jen Kirkman. I already said Jen Kirkman. Oh, I was thinking about uh, Paul Rust. I think. When you oh, were all right. Talking about Jen Kirkman. So yeah, you'll get all all of that. That is a huge, a huge amount of stuff. Right. Uh, of comedy, like that'll keep you laughing for a year. Right there. Um, in addition to that, you will get, you mentioned Pat Francis, uh, his wife, Pilar Alessandra has been on this show. We've uh, been on her show. Uh, probably as many times as Pat has. I don't know who's been on more. Pat might have been on more. I think he's been on more now. Um, but we're going to be on, on the page, Pilar's show, uh, again very soon. Um, and, uh, she has a book called the coffee, Ri- coffee break screen, screenwriter. And I'll teach you how to write a screenplay on your coffee break. 10 minutes a day. Absolutely. You write, write a screenplay. I don't know how you could, you could deny if it. You, here's the thing. Even if you don't write screenplays, you are gonna you have no choice once you start reading this thing. You're yeah. like, I think I want to do this. So you get that in that package. Right. Package number three. This is going to blow your mind. Oh, my gosh. I'm so, re- I'm so excited. Because I mentioned there are video elements to season four and five of Never Not Funny. Right. At this point, they do full video of every episode. And the, it, and the, it runs and the 90 are, to 100 minutes. The episodes are just getting longer and longer. Yeah. And 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 they have audio versions and videos that you can watch. So all of the current, most recent season eight is in this package, right? Which is not only is that twenty six episodes of audio, you also get the video for all those. You get to see again all your favorite comedians. Now at the moment this. we are in season eight, so you're yeah. not going to get all twenty six right now. You'll yeah, get you'll, what they have, and then and then you'll get the rest of the season week. as uh, yeah. Uh, how far are they into season eight at this point? If you know, I actually far. don't know. I think they're about midway through. I can, uh, okay. I can look it up right now. So, yeah, now. you'll have uh, another couple months of yeah. new stuff coming um, with, with this. In addition to that, you will get a signed copy of It Is Never Going To Be Bread, the comedy stand-up album by Jackie Cation. Package number four. Can you believe the, the hits keep on coming? Uh, they're at, uh, they're at uh, 17 episodes. Okay, of, so there's uh, still nine eight. more. So, yeah, you'll still get a couple months' worth. Right. Um, next package, our friends of the comedy film nerds, Grandma Wood and Chris Mancini. Mm-hmm. Grandma Wood has signed a copy of The Comedian's Got a Boo Boo, his album, right. which is awesome, by the way. It is very funny. It is really great. Um, and we also have a signed copy of Chris Mancini's book, Pacify Me. Uh, a handbook for the freaked out new dad. Is yep. that right? Yes. Pacify me. A handbook for the freaked out new dad, which is a great. If, it's great if you're if you're uh, going to be a father. If you just became a father, if you know someone who's a father. Yeah. It, it, you know. I mean, worst case scenario, it's a great gift to someone, and it's signed. Go. Yeah. Uh, in addition, speaking of signing, you get another uh, another copy of Kavi's in this in this package. Right. Uh, also, will be signed. Speaking of signed, <laughs> filling that, out that's this what, package. That's what you're using for transitions here. The word it, signed? All this stuff is autographed. Okay. Uh, filling out this package is the entire season one, The Tick versus season one on DVD signed by Townsend Coleman. Yes. The, uh, the voice of The Tick. The voice of The Tick. Um, a very gracious and fun guest that we had on the show. And then finally, um, <laughs> hold on, I cannot read what you wrote here. Yeah. Oh, never mind. I got it. I got it. Got I got it. it. <laughs> finally, you'll get um, a DVD of Paul F. Tompkins' stand-up special, You Should Have Told Me, mm-hmm. uh, recorded in Atlanta. Um, <laughs> that's important. Yeah, that's... Uh, 
an autographed copy of uh, uh, Stephen Tobolowsky's birthday party. Right. Uh, which is the inspiration for the Tobolowsky Files. Yep. The greatest podcast there is. <laughs> um, uh, you will also get a signed copy. Let me say more about Stephen Tobolowsky's birthday party. Okay. It's amazing. It's so great. It's so much fun to watch. And there are also like... It's his actual birthday party. I'm not going to spoil anything, but there are guests at the birthday party who are famous. There are like famous people in this movie who were just sitting there laughing the whole time. It's fun. I haven't. I haven't even seen the film. Oh, it's great. You got to see it. Um, also autographed. Uh, the movie Great World of Sound, which is a, 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 a an excellent uh, independent film starring uh, our good friend Pat Healy, who's been on the show a handful of times. Right. It's not, like fifty, sixty times, I think. I'd say that's about right. <laughs> um, uh, great guy, very knowledgeable about movies. Great actor. Uh, he's in the upcoming Ty West film, The Innkeepers, hmm. um, which that's the uh, the guy who recently Ty West recently made a splash with. Uh, what was it called? House of the Devil with Tom. Oh Newman. yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, his new movie, The Innkeepers. Also, Pat Healy was in Rescue Dawn with Werner Herzog. If you listen to the audio from our first ever live show, you heard him tell. My favorite Vernon Herzog. I've heard a lot of Vernon Herzog stories. Oh, we all have. Yeah. There's a lot of stories by about him. And yes, he got shot in the leg and continued to interview. Yes, he rescued Joaquin Phoenix from a <laughs> car accident. But my favorite story is him being upset over the brand of candy bar that was used in a scene in Rescue Dawn and screaming, I implored you, Butterfinger. <laughs> that is the best Vernon Herzog story there has ever been. Um, and then... Filling out that package, uh, this is the Tompkins package right here, apparently, because we've also got the AST EP3 package, three EPs on on a special thing records. Uh, it's it's Paul of Tompkins, uh, Sir, You Have Fooled Me Twice. It's Greg Proops, Proops Digs In, or maybe it's just called Greg Proops Digs In, okay. which, by the way, is not really an EP. That's pretty much a full length. It's something like 39 minutes. Oh, like my. It's, it's pretty much a full length stand-up comedy. I mean, that's about the length of... The comedian's got a boo boo. It's right. pretty much a full length, and then also the the hilarious and uh, um, undervalued so far. But I think there's got he's got big things ahead of him. Uh, I don't da- say Dan Telfer. I wouldn't go as so far as say he's undervalued. Those Under, just underseen. Yeah, I see. He's got a high Q rating, is what you're saying. Exactly. It, that's assuming I, I know what a Q rating is. Yeah, I don't know what it is. I think a Q rating is basically of the people who know who you are. How well liked are you? Oh, okay. You know, hmm. So like a uh, like a Zach Galifianakis pre The Hangover, right? Wasn't as I mean, certainly he's a mega star now. Uh, he wasn't that as well known across the board, but among people like you and me who knew who he was, right? He was one of the, I mean, he's one of the best. He's so he that guy would have had to have a high Q rating, assuming that I'm right about what Q rating means. Okay. So Dan Telfer's uh, uh, <laughs> fossil. Fossil Records, what is it called? I believe Fossil Records. Fossil, is it? Fossil Records, uh, which is also great. That's that's package number five right there. So there's a lot I'm, of, I'm winded just talking about all this stuff. Yeah, I'm exhausted uh, listening to you. Uh, so really about anything. But yeah, it's there's a lot of great packages, uh, a lot of good comedy, a lot of good film in there. Uh, and I don't know. There's we a just, lot of good comedy, by the way. 
Yeah. I mean, there's the films are good too, but I'm just saying in terms of sheer volume with the, <laughs> with the stuff <laughs> yeah, that true. that that Never Not Funny has given us. Right. There are hundreds of hours of comedy in our in our uh, donation drive. But you know what, David? We're not just gonna. I hate to say it. We're not just gonna give this to you. You have to donate. Yeah. Here's how you do it. You go to the donate page of battleshippretension.com, all right? Uh-huh. There's a couple options. You can donate just once. And if you do that, you've got to donate $5 or more. Your name will be entered for the drawing to win one of these packages, mm-hmm. all right? That's one thing you can do. And if you do it, by all means, we, we're, we're so happy that you, that you did. Thank you for your generosity. If David and I had our druthers, though, we would prefer that you, uh, that you go with the donation subscription. It really helps us out. To have it that does. sort of injection of, once a month, yeah, once a month, um, an injection of money, yeah, and so <laughs> that's what I meant. Yeah, we like to go green over here. <laughs> so uh, I don't know. Why I'm, anyway, but uh, yeah, and so there's a lot of different options that you can you can choose to. Uh, you can go two dollars a month. You can go four, six, ten. Uh, 16 and 20, I believe. I don't have it in front of me, unfortunately. I think but 16 is the highest that you... Uh, 16 might be the highest. You know what? 16 is the highest. I don't I'm think sorry. we even had the hubris to offer the $20 <laughs> a month. Oh, you have no idea. When I was first making these packages, I was like, well, you know, there might be an insane person out there with a lot of money. And so I was going like 50 bucks, $100, just in case someone's insane. But, but, uh, but yeah, so there's a lot of, a lot of different options you can, you can do. Uh, the one that we would suggest... And and if you go with any of them, your name is entered. So uh, yeah. any subscription, no problem. The one that we would like, to be honest, if we if you know if you were at, if you're just asking us, uh-huh. we would like the four dollar a month. It option. only seems right. It's you know why we like it because we're kind of obsessive, obsessive compulsive, and it works out perfectly to a dollar an episode. Right. But also, if you think about the stuff that we just mentioned in this prize package, four dollars a month is uh, forty eight dollars a year, right? Yes. Okay. Um, our show alone is worth $48 a year. I'm going to say that right now. Just the 52 episodes of Battleship Retention plus the occasional bonus episode that you're going to get for free is worth $48. If you mm. were to also win one of these, you'd be way ahead. You're yeah. winning. Yeah. You're in like Flynn. I didn't mean to reference Charlie Sheen I, when I said winning. That, that wasn't what I was going for. I'm saying that for posterity because at some point, like years from now, someone's going to listen and be like, ooh, outdated Charlie Sheen reference. But that's not what I meant. I was just saying you're, you'll be, you'd be winning. The word win, is it belongs to him now? I'm amazed and a little envious of how unaware you are of well, what's yeah. going on in popular culture. Because I wish I didn't know about Charlie Sheen and the word winning. I know a little bit. Uh, but I know actually some of the, the cr- like even the crazier things that he has said about like he's a warlock. Yeah, like a lot of like military things, like talking about wars and like <laughs> uh, I don't know, like dropping H bombs or something. Um, but uh, and he said he said he he is on a drug. That drug's Charlie Sheen. <laughs> that one I liked. But no, he just like peppers his like speech with evidence that he's he's winning. He said, he, he, "I can't believe I had to explain this, but no. I, I like I said, I am envious. I wish that I. Yeah, I feel like aware. between the two of us, I'm winning because I don't know yeah. this stuff. What bothers me? Anyway, he, he says that he's winning, and he'll occasionally like say something and then be like, winning. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's kind of funny. It would be funny. It's funny on its own. It's just that other people <laughs> have driven it into the ground. 
And we shouldn't be laughing at this very sick man. I do. You know what? Here's the thing: is uh, if if everything that he if his if his monologue was put into a movie, and it was a fictional character saying it, it would be very very funny. Yeah, but because it is, it is a real person, you know, I watch that, and the first thing I think is like, you know, it, he may be saying some crazy things, but I feel like there's some real hurt going on, and I'm not sure what it's from. I don't want to necessarily speculate on it. But he does seem like a deeply wounded person somehow. Yeah, I mean, he's thrashing about. Like, tradi- uh, like sort of traditional addict behavior. Yeah, he's sort of in a state of like uh, virulent denial right now. He's really in denial about his problem. I would say so. Yes. Um, anyway, I don't. I didn't want to talk about that. Yes, absolutely. Let's uh, let's. So talk. I'm saying is anyway. You uh, you donate four bucks a month. You're winning anyway because you get the whole show. If you also win one of these prizes, you're way out in front. Absolutely, you're you're winning against uh, well all your other listen all the other listeners. Yeah. Certainly, we've all been right. talking about this for twenty damn minutes. Let's get into it, shall we? Yeah. Good lord, I'm sorry, everybody. We have to do this so that we get some money. It all happens right. also, one month a year, fifteen minutes an episode. Also, I've been watching Pitchmen, uh, that show on Discovery Channel, uh-huh. and uh, I really like the idea of selling things now. <laughs> Hi, Tyler Smith here for Battleship Pretension. <laughs> All right. Anyway, so uh, okay, but yes, I agree. Let let us do get into it, David. The topic today. What is it? How did you get? How did you arrive there? Uh, I was thinking about if you, again, let me plug the website again. I had written. Uh, we do these things called movie recommendations. It's just a par like a, a paragraph about a movie we think you should see that maybe is a little underseen. Um. And I was talking about um, Michael Winterbottom's 24-Hour Party People, which I know among certain people is very much not underseen. It's a cult classic almost at this point. Overseen. But but there's plenty of people who haven't seen it. So check out 24-Hour Party People. But I was also thinking about just some stuff in it about, uh, you know, when when Ian Curtis dies uh, in the movie, which is, you know, Ian Curtis is the guy from Joy Division. Mm -hmm. He was the lead character in Control. Mm -hmm. Uh, So the events that took place in Control are a part of... 24-hour party people as well, and and when he dies... It's a good double feature, it sounds like. <laughs> yeah, one is uh, a lot funnier than the other one. But Steve Coogan turns to the camera. There's a lot of uh, him addressing the camera in the movie, and he says, this is the musical equivalent of Che Guevara. And <laughs> it's not entirely... It's not literally clear what he means by that, and that's <laughs> kind of part of the why the, uh, the, the movie is so funny. But he is talking about how this is a big moment. Like Joy Division to Tony Wilson represented something of a sea change, and I think to a lot of mm-hmm. uh, music fans in the years to come, it would feel the same the same way. And Tony Wilson, as a as a character, was very uh, uh, moved by this death. It's a big turning point in his life, not only in music but in his life. And so I started thinking about how much people who are fans of music are invested in music, how much it is a part of their life. Mm-hmm. And uh, it must happen a lot because there's a lot of movies about it. Right. A lot of movies about people sort of expressing themselves through music or relating to music in a way that, that they that they can't to other people or can't ex- express in words. And uh, you came up with a good name for, for what I'm talking about, which was the transformative power of music. Indeed. So... That's what we're talking about today. And I feel like it makes a nice transition from uh, last week 
talked about a composer. We did, yeah. And so now we're talking about music in general. Now, of course, we did have Music Month uh, about 130 episodes ago. Uh, so August 2008 was Music Month. Man, oh man. What a month it was, David. (laughs) So, uh, the, so I feel okay that returning to the well of movies about music, uh, since it's been uh, so long. We didn't do this though. No, we didn't. What we did, we were much more specific. We did musicals. We did musician biopics. Right. We did rock docs. And what was the other one we did? Let's see. Rock docs, biopics. What was the, what was the only oh, one? Oh, concert Musicals. films was the and last concert one. films, okay. Yeah. That's right, because concert fil- film is different than rock doc. That's right. Yeah. And that's when I talked about uh, uh, Woodstock with that one horrible hippie being like, there's seed in the clouds, so it'll rain on us, man. Why don't you make a documentary about that? <laughs> uh, good times. Everyone I, should go see Woodstock. It's I've a lot of fun. I've still never seen it. Um, so, uh, yeah, I was very... Now, you, you originally... Uh, wanted to discuss you wanted the show to be called something else the power of rock the power of rock which i think i've seen uh, an infomercial for a collection of <laughs> 80s rock songs at 3 a.m called the power of rock sure but what's, uh, what's on that oh uh because i just said 80s i don't know okay some Def leopard maybe oh yeah some crew yeah yeah damn right okay um yeah because i was thinking mr about- big <laughs> Or is that early '90s? I don't know. Uh, that song was early '90s. Okay, I can't remember the name of the song, and I'm not going to sing it. Yeah, please even, don't. Even though I really, really want. Yeah, to. don't do it. <laughs> um, I'm not going to do it. Not going to do it. Anyway, uh, I was thinking about this. And I guess I was thinking about rock in general because Friday night I had a great time going to see an all-female Led Zeppelin tribute band at a bar. This bar is awesome. I'm not going to tell people the name of it because I don't want to. I, I don't want any of our listeners to spoil it for me because I want to go back there. It's a time capsule. You'd think that it was the late 80s, early 90s. The clientele are all in like black leather, black denim, you know, men with ponytails and bandanas and like even like a little bit of like like eyeliner on the guys. Like it's still all right. It's still that, that time. It's yeah. uh, It was a blast. I want to go back there so much. So I was thinking, I guess I was thinking about rock. So you love this place, way. but not enough to give it any kind of plug. No, I'm not going to help them. They're they're doing a, fine without us. Yeah, the place was packed, yeah. and B, our listeners are not. Like I'm the only one who wants to be there, enjoying it somewhat ironically. <laughs> how much? How somewhat? I, I think only a little bit ironically. Okay, I actually good. did have a very fun time there, and okay. the band was great. Yeah, um, they're they're called Lady Zep. I'll give them a plug. Okay. Um, and so it got me thinking about. Uh, this sort of um, th- this this time capsule thing that I'm talking about, this era of rock fan, predates these sort of like it, it was the last sort of thing that was happening before the you know grunge alternative whatever indie influx um, that was that uh, it, you know continues today and is a lot more uh, ironic. Um, a lot more like sort of uh, postmodern, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes a little deconstructionist or whatever. This is, uh, but the, these people were still living in a time where they appreciated rock and roll completely earnestly. Right. And it got me thinking about Jack Black and School of Rock. Yeah. Uh, and what a like, 
how, how, so that's that's the first thing I want to talk about because his the way that he relates to rock and roll is I feel like in any other movie he would be he's essentially our friend Keith Coogan's character from Adventures of Babysitting right right except uh, you know um, Keith Coogan in, 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 in uh, not Adventures of Babysitting uh, Don't Tell on the Babysitter's Dead is what I'm thinking of right um, it, he's like his sort of rockerness is just sort of a almost a caricature type trait. Um, I'm not. I'm saying that in regards to the screenplay. Yes, Keith did a great job with the character, and the character grows from there. But that was just sort of a like basic thing. Mm. Whereas Jack Black's character, uh, Dewey, what's his name? Not Dewey. What's his name? I don't know. Uh, it's not Dewey. Well, uh, he. I keep thinking of like. Uh, it's not Dewey. Damn it! He keeps going by Mister Schneebly because he's going by Mike. Right, Mike yeah, White's name. Mike White's name, but um, uh, so that's. I keep thinking of Ned Schneebly, but that's not actually his name. Um. So anyway, Jack Black's character is his Dewey Finn. His name is Dewey. It is Dewey. Yeah. Yes. Um. His love of rock and roll is not just like, uh, a shortcut for characterization it really is who he is yeah and he believes in it in a way that's almost like uh a kid believing in santa claus you know he's he's not realistic like when you see at the beginning he gets kicked out of his band and he doesn't he really doesn't understand because he he thinks he rocks the hardest of the entire band because he simply feels it the most right Um, he's uncompromising but in a way that's almost childlike oh yeah and uh i think while there are certainly bad you know aspects of his his childlike approach to life like never paying rent (laughs) and stuff like that yeah um it uh his 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 love of 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 just uh all-out rock music isn't is indicative of his worldview which is refreshingly positive and helps him relate to and help these kids. Yeah, it's interesting because the way the way that he he talks it it's it is so antiquated where he says like one great rock show can change the world. Well, no it can't. <laughs> I mean, I again, I'll go back to Woodstock. It changed the world of music to be sure. But uh, yeah, it didn't stop anybody from doing anything. It didn't stop any wars. <laughs> didn't uh, stop them from seeding the clouds. Oh man, no. Yeah, it is. It might have pissed the government off a little well, bit enough yeah, well, to seed them clouds. Why don't you make a documentary about that? <laughs> <laughs> that might be my favorite thing ever in a movie, by the way. Um, but uh, but yeah, and so just all these things, the the cynicism and the irony that everybody has adopted either organically or they've kind of just done it because everyone else has uh since the 19 you know late 60s and Uh and early 70s when rock was you know changing and music in in general was changing i'd venture to say art was changing because film was was very different as well um the irony that we all acquired he did not and so ever some people say like ah these these hard rockers, they're just in it to get women, or they're just mm-hmm. in it because of the drugs. They're in it for this, that, or the other. He's the only one. Oddly enough, his character's not at all into drugs. He's not at all into 
uh, like getting ladies. Like, because he actually says, "What is the point of this music?" And people and the kids say, "Women, drugs, partying, that kind of thing." He's like, "No, that's not it." And he just is talking about this very pure philosophical uh-huh. idea that you watch it and you're like, "What do you what?" Have you listened to any... How about this? Not only have you listened to any music since then, have you talked to anybody? <laughs> and, uh, but after a while, he, he wins you over because you just think, what is... As, as silly as it sounds, you know, just freaking out about music that I'm not a huge fan of. I like ACDC quite a bit, but, because uh, they rock. What about Zeppelin? Uh, Zeppelin I like, uh, not... Any any quote unquote dislike I have for them is simply because I'm not as familiar with them as I should be. Okay. Uh, so it's everything I've heard I liked. It's not that I don't like them. But uh, right. and so, but it isn't. Inf- it is infectious. You want. You so desperately want to. You wish you were one of those kids, and you actually find yourself sort of becoming one and really subscribing to what he's saying. And I remember there's a there's a really great montage in the film. In which they play the Ramones, uh, Bonzo goes to Pittsburgh, uh-huh. and uh, and there's and it shows like him, you know, teaching all the kids. And there's one there's one section in there that for some reason was very resonant with me, in which uh, the kid uh, Freddie, who's the drummer, uh-huh. he is watching footage of Keith Moon, I believe. Uh, well, various various drummers, but Keith Moon just going, of course, crazy. Uh-huh. And the look on the kid's face is one of wonder and awe. At the fact that, like, look at what mu- what music is allowing this guy to do. Now, admittedly, the guy's probably on all kinds of drugs. But <laughs> uh, but look at how free and how bold he is being uh, as a result of the music he is playing. And just, for some reason, the look on the kid's face is he's astounded, but he's also, like, enthralled by what he is seeing. And it's... It is strange, but like music, sort of. Uh, okay, I'm sorry, everybody. It, it, it is. He, it is setting him free. It's setting the whole class free. They're living. They're they're going not only to a, you know, to a school, but it is a private school. They all wear uniforms, uh-huh. and so everything is very uh, Pink Floyd esque, I guess one could say. <laughs> um, but it's about fighting against the man and declaring yourself, and. By the end of the film, you you can't help but become one of his pupils, and it's I love School of Rock. I think it's yeah. one of the most fun, just genuinely fun movies, and it is about this is a little lofty, the transformative power of of music. Oh, I think a word that you used multiple times there. That I think looking at my list of stuff I wanted to talk about is um, a bit of a motif here is the idea that of becoming free through music mm. that it is freeing. Um, in some ways it's, yeah, it, it, it's like a, a mental thing, you know, uh, or whatever. Uh, but, uh, I want to talk about a movie that's also about uh, a young man who's still, who's grown, but still not quite grown and uses music. And in this case also dancing, uh, to better himself and free himself from his sort of, uh, working class place in life mm. if only for just the time that he's on the dance floor and this is saturday night fever okay a movie that i mentioned uh just tangentially last week still um, never seen it you've never seen saturday night fever never seen it it's so good 
I believe, yeah, it is a it is a movie that you've compared it to Rocky, where you think you know about it, and yeah. I'm still at that point. I hear people you think it, you in your mind you think it's like Footloose, that that it's like a cheesy dance movie that's tied, you know, inexorably to, tied to its time. At, yeah, or at best, Easy Rider, something that people loved at the time, but now that disco's gone, <laughs> you're like, I don't care. But admittedly, yeah, I'm gonna back you up on that. By the way, Easy Rider. Very important film. Yeah. Doesn't really hold up. Everyone go see it once. <laughs> yeah. I know it's... Um, I'm sure some people are going to find that blasphemous because it is It is an important movie. It's a very important movie. Absolutely. Uh, and it needed to be made. Doesn't really hold up. Doesn't apply anymore. It, uh, yeah. I'd say that's... It, it's, it is a great movie and I won't take that away from it at all. But great movies... Sometimes what what makes them great is how of the time they are. Yeah, but in doing exactly. so, it can't be of the time forever. Yeah, and there's nothing, you know, uh, that genius or permanent or everlasting about its technique or anything like that. Right. Um, it, it was. I mean, I know the. Uh, I'm sure people's minds were blown by the acid trip in the in the cemetery, um, but there were experimental films going on for years before that. Right, um, you know, check out uh, check out Bruce Connor or obviously Stan Brackage. Um, before that, and you can see that they they weren't Dennis Howard wasn't doing it; it wasn't really breaking new ground, and he also wasn't doing it as well as the like. Right. There's the the like crazy montage experimental films that are happening before Easy Rider. There was a purpose, a much more of a purpose to every single shot. Whereas right. Dennis Howard is just kind of putting a bunch of crazy shit in, <laughs> like, uh, and, and and sort of. Uh, you know, dissolving all over it. <laughs> that sounded horrible. Um, anyway. But yeah, so so I always associate Saturday Night Fever with that, but I know that like it was Gene Siskel's favorite film of all time. I know that you love it. A lot of people really love the movie. So I know I need to, I need to watch it um, because it is more than... It, is, it has taken on a certain cultural significance and that significance is sort of jokey. Uh-huh. Um, you know that BG scene where he's just walking down the street, like, is has been parodied so many times. It's like well, just because it's in, it's been parodied doesn't mean it's bad. I also want to talk about. I'm glad I didn't see this film when I was too much younger, because uh, I didn't like pop music at all when I was younger. Mm-hmm. I liked punk and you know maybe some metal and like some alternative stuff. Uh, anything that was too poppy, you know, I I, I scoffed at my mom's uh, Abba Gold. Uh, CD, <laughs> which I should tell you, during the five days that I was back home in St. Louis, that was the only thing that I listened to. So I've done a complete 180 on ABBA. They are they are amazing. They were amazing, mm-hmm. uh, and the Bee Gees as well are, is something that I would not have been able to appreciate. I would have found it cheesy, um, but uh, it's really great dance music and pop music, uh, and so that um, you know, this is what 77. I think is when uh this sounds right. When Saturday Night Fever came out? I mean this is pre like music video. That uh I mean I guess there were performance videos and stuff out there, but like this is pre M T V I guess. Yeah. Um so that's Radio sequence, Star is still alive and well. Yeah. <laughs> uh that sequence is uh just a, a brilliant short music video on its own. You yeah. know, and and uh people also forget I guess because whenever it's parodied, it starts on the shoes 
And then they pull up, and the guy is all dressed up in John Travolta's later outfit. Yeah. But at that point in the movie, he's at work, and he's just going down the street to get some paint for his boss. Like, I, I've seen that sequence. I haven't even I haven't seen the whole movie, but I, like so many other people, have seen that sequence. And as strange as it sounds, I remember thinking how fascinating. I don't know if it was directly commenting on this, but the idea that, like, yeah, with the right attitude and with the right music in your head, you can be cool just walking down the street with a can of paint. Yeah, exactly. But I don't. I mean, I think at that point in the movie, we're more we're being introduced to Tony um, through the way he sees himself. Right. Because I think the only people hearing that Bee Gees song are the audience and Tony. Oh, no question. <laughs> no one else on the street uh, knows what he's walking to. And so we're introduced to uh, the his sort of inner life, which is expressed through the music that he dances to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, oh, I was going to say something. Oh, yeah. Another thing that is great about that that is uh, worth comparing Saturday Night Fever to Rocky. This is getting a little bit w- away from the movie thing or the music thing, but um, they're both performances by people that audiences didn't expect at the time. Mm-hmm. I think, I think, Sylvester Stallone and 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 John Travolta both uh, kind of took people by surprise. Yeah, and then I, I guess Travolta had been on Welcome Back, Cotter. Right. Um, but that was a comedic role, and he was kind of. A dumb guy on Welcome Back, Hatter, and he's kind of a dumb guy in Saturday Night Fever, but it's not just for laughs. There's such, there's so much depth to it, and like it makes like the fact that he knows he's not smart. Like that's why he's dancing his way out of uh, his working class neighborhood because mm-hmm. he doesn't have the smarts, and it adds a sort of uh, tragic under undercurrent to it, which is the same thing with Rocky. I mean, those early scenes. With Rocky, uh, you know, there's a there's a humor to them. There's oh, a humor yeah. to a lot of us. I mean, talking to turtles and stuff. Rocky's a very funny movie. Yeah, Rocky's a great movie. And, and I guess I need to see Saturday Night Fever. There's and and uh, I, that was, I lent you the DVD. I have the 25th anniversary DVD with the uh, the disc is a mirror ball. Oh yeah, <laughs> awesome. Um, now I'm I'm reluctant to to move away from this. I I really tried to think outside the box here as far as I might have the 30th anniversary DVD. Sorry, go ahead. Okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> um, but, uh, 20, 25th, I think is, I think is it. I think that's what you have. Okay. Cause I think you got it when we were still in Chicago. So, oh, I did. okay. All right. Well, I guess I'm, I guess I'm just wrong then David. Yeah, it was definitely the 30th. <laughs> uh, so I really tried to think outside. I tried to be creative as I, uh-huh. as I, as I often try and sometimes fail at. Uh, okay. I'm going to throw out some, just some ideas. Or uh, throw out a few movies in which music plays a very pivotal role to the plot, but specifically the idea of a piece of music that the characters can hear being used as something bigger than merely a piece of music. Mm-hmm. All right. I've got Casablanca here. And two different uh, songs. One is, of course, As Time Goes By, which is, it's Rick and Ilsa's song, Uh and it is used to evoke emotion. They use it to evoke emotion in themselves. Yeah. Or they use it defiant, you know, Rick goes, you know, says, if you played it for her, you can play it for me, and is sort of defiant, like, I'm not going to let 
this music, which is to say this part of my life, control me. Uh-huh. The other the other scene that when I you know when I first saw Casablanca, I didn't really care for it. I love it now. I'm a, I'm such a fan of it, and fantastic. and there are there's one scene that actually sort of brings tears to my eyes, uh, not merely because of the the situation, but it is just so triumphant, and it is the scene in Rick's bar between Major Strasser and uh, Victor Laszlo, where the the ger- the Nazis are having this band play, you know, this Nazi. Uh, song, and then Victor and these other people say, "No, you're uh, you're going to play this other song, this this French song yeah. of resistance." And then the French song wins. It's it's bigger, it's louder, and it's just and the nature of what that song is is so it's defiant and victorious and optimistic, and it's just that scene like really gives me goosebumps. And just to look at the look shared between Victor Laszlo and Major Strasser, like I, for all, for all the talk about Humphrey Bogart and Ingrid Bergman, and they're both really great. I really love Paul Henry in that film. I like that character. I like the way he's played because in a lesser film, that character would be sort of, well, we're not really rooting for him because Mm -hmm. we want these two to get together, but we are rooting for him. He is a heroic figure and we want good things to happen for him. And in that moment, it is a, it is his big moment of triumph that like, yeah, even if I die, we're going to win. And it was, and and it's, and the way that music drowns out, uh, the German music, it's, it's just such a, this, and and it's, and it's emotional for the people in the film, but it's also, it's a, it's, it's in through the music and the emotional experience we're having. It's inviting the audience into the bar so that we're not watching it. We're there. Uh, listening to it along with everybody else. I think this goes back to what you were saying about about Dewey Finn in his, even though this is very much not rock music, but he sees music as something that's pure and invigorating. Mm-hmm. And I think I see a lot on my list of music uh, being used for a resistance or for overcoming political strife or, or oppression, you know. Um, one of the films I have on here is um, Together, which is... Uh, 2002 i think film by uh chen kaigi who did farewell farewell my concubine okay my particular like brand of mumbling means that farewell my concubine is my least favorite movie title of all time (laughs) because i always say feral my concubine and it sounds like (laughs) colin farrell is one of my wives that's what i always when they make a documentary about him, that's what it will be yeah, called. Yeah, I can't say farewell. I say feral my concubine. Or my <laughs> my feral my feral concubine. <laughs> man, that's, oh man, that's, that'd be hot. <laughs> yeah, if I were writing some sort of alternate universe art film Saturday Night Live sketch, I would do my feral concubine. <laughs> um, anyway. Let's, let's be honest. That'd probably be a mad TV. <laughs> um so Together is a film about a guy and his son uh, traveling. His son is a very talented violinist, and they're traveling to the big city so he can get his son into a prestig- prestigious music school. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a it's a smaller film, definitely, certainly compared to something like, like Concubine, which is like 
over two and a half hours and is very epic and takes place over a decade or so. Like this is a small personal film about a guy and his son traveling together. It's a bit of a road movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are moments, there's a great violin score and there are moments of just the kid playing. And uh, anytime that the music is uh, introduced into the film, they're sort of uh background of poverty is forgotten it elevates them mm-hmm. uh it's a, it's a it's just a really beautiful small film uh that i think people should see not to be confused with together the lucas moodison film which is also great but mm-hmm. is a very different movie lucas moodison is not uh is not chen kai gi he's he's not a sentimentalist Maybe he is. I don't know. We, I, I would. We should do an episode on Lucas Moodison sometime. But I don't think you've seen. I don't think I've seen anything that I know of. Uh, you should see Lilia Forever. Oh, I've heard that. I yeah. yeah. That's. I believe you uh, recommended that once. Uh, for I probably the, did for the write it. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's a movie that will. Uh, it, you will feel nostalgic for your teenage years, and your heart will soar, and then you'll be as devastated as you have ever been by a movie. Well, I'm going to rush right out and see that one. <laughs> uh, it sounds like I should turn that one uh, that one off about halfway through. <laughs> so, uh, okay, here we go. Speaking of... <laughs> so, when I, when I brought up Casablanca, that wasn't necessarily me thinking out of the box. Here's the one that is. Okay. In the spirit of Casablanca, in the spirit of, as you said, uh, music being used to defy uh, this larger oppressive force Uh okay (laughs) i'm okay there's a movie where music is used as a weapon and as a last resort they don't have any other they've tried everything but this is this is the only thing that's going to kill these aliens is to play slim whitman in mars attacks okay now here's the thing i never thought i would read anything into mars attacks (laughs) however the, they try they try political diplomacy it doesn't work they try military might it doesn't work they try everything they can think of but only when they try art and admittedly it's slim Whit, slim Whitman slim Whitman Whitman um, what is this wh- farewell my <laughs> Whitman my concubine <laughs> well here's what's what's especially funny is. I only remember that his name is Slim Whitman right before we started recording, uh-huh. and I wrote it down while I was thinking of it, because all day long I was like, Whit Stillman is not right. <laughs> Whit Stillman did not make any music yeah. <laughs> uh, that I'm aware of. And I'm pretty sure if he did, they would not have used it in Mars Attacks. But, no, but uh, it was Slim Pickens. <laughs> absolutely. So, uh, but playing that, of course, it's, it's funny when they're playing this Tennessee Ernie Ford song. Uh, see now you've lost me, <laughs> Mississippi Sheiks. Okay, I think okay. I'm out. Okay, but and so it, it's funny when they're playing this uh, old timey, bo- one could say boring country. Although I kind of like Slim Whitman. Uh, yeah, I got no complaints. And and the the aliens' heads are exploding. But part of me is like, yeah, these aliens have unpleasant voices, and they're maybe kind of funny at times. But they're o- to them, it's only about conquering things uh-huh. but when they when they're faced with music and beauty they can't even they can't they can't take it so freedom, much freedom beauty truth and love 
That's what Moulin Rouge is about. Oh, okay. <laughs> the only thing you'll ever learn is, uh, oh, the greatest thing you'll ever learn is that uh, Slim Whitman is pretty awesome, yeah. right? <laughs> but they can't, they, they so can't take it that their heads explode. Now, again, probably reading something into it, but consciously or unconsciously, that is a theme of the film. And it continues with, I mean, I've got, we can't go into all of them, but like, you look at so many movies about music and the role that it plays in a person's life. There is such, there's a general anti-establishment thing going. Even something as, as firmly establishment as a movie, as uh, like Mr. Holland's Opus, which is a very studio film. It's very uh, conventional. But it is about this guy who who wants children, you know, wants his students to learn about music and how great it is and how universal it is. Because so many people, you know, they listen to uh, rock and roll or as uh, Olympia Dukakis says, rock and roll. (laughs) Uh, So they listen to that and he's trying to get them to listen to classical. And they're and they're like, hey, man, that's for squares. They don't say that. But uh and then he finds a musical. Well, it. What was it? Oh, there's no question about. It. <laughs> and but he finds a musical link between them to show that, yeah, even though music is something that people crap on all the time, like my music's better than yours, whatever. There is the very fact that we all like music mm-hmm. is sort is something that brings us together. Like I don't know anybody who doesn't like music. Yeah. And so. And so it's. So he's he's of course. Using it to sort of subvert not only the school's expectations of him as a music teacher, but also subvert the students' expectations. He's actually using classical music to subvert what they think is good and bad, and then he's using rock and roll to subvert what uh, the the established school board thinks. And it's just like, and you'll find that I, I didn't see the movie The Boat That Rocked. But it it looked pretty good and it got okay reviews. I, and I I meant to see it, but I didn't get around to seeing it. But that's another thing where it's back to rock and roll now. But just this music that people are like, oh, that's wrong. But like, and the best thing they can think to do is to just play it because after a while, people will get used to it and come to demand it. Uh-huh. Because and it, much like one could say, freedom itself. You're welcome. Okay. Uh, um, and then I, th- I, okay, go ahead. No, go, I go ahead. Cause I have a, a topic that I want to okay. sort of end on that you want to end on. Okay. Uh, well then I'll bring up, uh, the idea when, when characters find music to be just personally freeing, of course, uh, not against some larger establishment, but sort of just all the things that they put on themselves to be able to function in society and music winds up sort of freeing them. Uh, one is the visitor oh, in which I didn't see. it's, Tom McCarthy. Uh, yeah, my favorite movie of 2008. He's got a new one out. It's called Win Win. Charlie Sheen's going to love that. <laughs> so uh, you're welcome. I came up with that uh, half hour ago. So <laughs> that's, really? that's true. <laughs> I wasn't planning. It. I was just like, hey, that's a funny joke to myself. Hey, look, an opportunity. So, uh, but in The Visitor, it's, I won't go into it, but it's about this guy who's, you know, his wife has passed away. He's very reserved. He works for, again, sort of an establishment thing. He's a college professor. And he meets somebody who is just a, you know, a drummer, um, a specific kind of drum. And I don't remember the name of it, unfortunately, but just, you know, the kind that you just hold between your legs and just, you know, pound on it. And that sounds inappropriate now. 
But because uh, you said that part. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I can't help but do that now. It's very frustrating because I want to beat somebody else to the punch. I don't want someone to be like, eh, he said something funny. No, I know. I didn't mean it that way, but I know. <laughs> so uh, and by and and events happen in the film that are just very frustrating and and the character can't seem to really get away from it. And then fu- and then the last scene of the film, not the last scene, but one of the last sequences of the film is he goes into a subway with this drum, uh, with this drum, a subway station, and he just sits and just pounds away at it because that's that mm-hmm. he, in his experience, this is how he can get his emotions out. And uh, then another much darker version of that is the movie M, in which uh, <laughs> Peter Lorre, the murderous instincts and impulses that he feels are too, they're, they're too much for him to express. Of course he expresses them by murdering people. Uh But before that he whistles in the hall of the mountain King from Pierre Gint and, and it's just such a, and first off, of course, musically the perfect selection for somebody to whistle furiously and insanely. Mm -hmm. But just it always struck me as interesting like why does he have to do that and it's just because even though his instincts and his impulses are terrible sometimes words aren't enough <laughs> and of course he also he also acts but to get across what he is feeling this is what he has to do it's either hollow mountain king or just just rah! yeah exactly yeah either that or he, he he billy elliott's it and just dances down the street as he uh approaches. but then he's gonna scare away the children yeah or he dances his uh troubles away like kevin bacon and for loose um well back to the visitor i under my understanding is that one aspect of the movie is people of different cultures yes bonding through music and uh that brings me to a movie i wanted i wanted to talk about uh called once which is my favorite movie of the year it came out, I think. I don't remember. Um, <laughs> it's up there. Uh, and that, it's not as, I mean, you know, everyone speaks English in that movie. She's not from uh, Ireland, where the movie takes place. Um, but there's a lot in their relationship that is unsaid. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of dialogue. Right. But they... It's not uncommunicated. Yes, because they communicate through music i mean that that scene early on and i know the movie gets bigger and has bigger moments but the scene in the music shop is that's the that's the jewel for me that is the scene of the entire movie now me. that is when they are playing falling slowly for the first time right is that what it, i think so yeah because it's a song that he'd been working on they sit at this piano and yeah. they and he just has her do this thing and uh and yeah it's not merely that they're singing a song it's that they are I mean, he already knows the song, but she's learning it. Yeah. And so, in that sense, they literally literally are learning to speak each other's language. Yeah. Or rather, a third language altogether. Okay. Now, I want to end on... We've been talking about this the freeing power of music and how beautiful it is. I want to end on a bit of a downer. Oh, note. good. Thank you. And talk about movies about people who are kind of trapped by music. Okay. Or maybe it leads them into something they didn't, they didn't want it to. Mm-hmm. Um. One, I'll, I'll throw this example out. I d- intentionally didn't put anything that was um, like biopic or based on a true story on here because we already did music biopics. 
this one's kind of on the line, uh, Velvet Goldmine. Oh, okay. Um, which is a wonderful film that isn't technically about Iggy Pop and David Bowie, <laughs> but pretty much is. So that's yeah. why I just wanted to, I just wanted to mention that you know when there's uh, the the movie sort of their lives sort of devolve into debauchery and like that becomes the stuff that those kids thought that rock and roll was about right is what it, what their lives are about and it's just uh kind of empty and sad um and there's a lot of yearning and the music doesn't doesn't help but um i also want to mention a movie that i don't like as much but it's kind of perfect uh high fidelity right um which is about a guy who uh loves rock and roll more than anything but uses it as an excuse to not deal with to not grow up and deal with the rest of his life. Well, and I think that I think what's it's it's I, it, I didn't it didn't even occur to me that you hadn't brought up high fidelity until now. But everybody everybody that we've been talking about um, who sees film uh, music in a in a positive way, even Jack Black, who has in School of Rock, who has studied it. Um, the re- I think the reason that they see it is so freeing is because it is a very pure love. Whereas if you look at... Um, you look at uh, John Cusack in High Fidelity, his character, as a lot of us who appreciate some type of art or another, uh, as we often do, he over-intellectualizes it. That's what I... That's not how I should have said it. No, no. Neither of us can speak at all today. What is going on? I'm so, I'm so sorry. We need more, don- we need more donations. More... Donations. <laughs> so, uh, but he over over intellectualizes it and uses that that analysis, which I hate to put it this way, but he likes he, he loves music certainly, but he also loves that he loves music and uses that as sort of a distancing tool from other people and a way to say, you know, like as opposed to Mister Holland's Opus where he finds similarities in the music to bring people together. Somebody like John Cusack uses each little difference in what he likes as opposed to what somebody else is like. He uses that to separate himself from other people. And he tries to define himself by the kind of music that he likes because it's what he knows the most about. And I feel like that is something that, whether it be literature, comic books, video games, movies, music, it doesn't matter. That is something that we all sometimes do. It's just like, I like this movie you've never heard of. What do you think of that? You, and you wouldn't even like it if you saw it, which you're not going to. One of my favorite touches in High Fidelity, uh, um, even though I don't really like the movie, but I love that he is rearranging his record collection, not alphabetically or chrono- chronologically, but autobiographically. Yeah. That's such a great idea. That's a movie in itself. And yeah, and and it speaks so much of how like who would do that? I mean, I guess I could do that with my DVD collection uh-huh. to a certain extent, but the but it's not even autobiographically in like the order that he saw them, but what or, or the, like that when he they were important them. to him or yeah. Right. And what they represent to his life. Yeah. And so of course that's very complex. But it also clearly he think of, thinks of himself more musically than as a person, which mm-hmm. might also be stunting the growth yeah. a little bit. And then I wanted to throw out a couple of examples of the uh, sort of um, cautionary, like this wasn't this life isn't what it was cracked up isn't all it's cracked up to be thing. There's uh, 
two movies about that that I want to talk about. The, uh, in my opinion, overrated, almost famous. And uh, then another movie that everyone seems to like but isn't talked about as much as it should be, which is Tom Hanks' That Thing You Do. That's oh man, that's a great movie. It's such a great movie, and I feel like everyone who every time you bring it up, everyone says, "Oh, that's a great movie," but yeah. it doesn't get the respect. Yeah, no one thinks about it, but it is such a. You know what? I'm going to say perfect. Uh-huh. It is such a complete perfect movie, uh-huh. and it's and it brings it, it does what you and I have always said a movie about art should do, which is have the art be great. Uh, yeah, amazing. All songs. the music in that is is wonderful. But uh, now you, you mentioned almost famous. Uh-huh. And you say that it was uh, overrated. Now, I agree, but the question is this. Do you think that it is a bad movie that everyone thinks is good, or you think it's a good movie that everybody thinks is great? I go the latter. I think parts of it are good, but um, I don't like the performances by either Patrick Fugit or Kate Hudson. Hmm. Uh, uh, that, and so it's hard for me to ever get on board. You know? It's interesting. What uh, Patrick like, Fugit I, I like quite a bit, and K- Kate Hudson. Uh, what What do you dislike about it? I don't like that we're ending on this pos- this negative a note. But uh, <laughs> well, I don't. I don't think Kate Hudson's just not. I don't think she's that great an actress. Obviously. Um, and so that's all it is. She's just not acting very well. Whereas Patrick Fugit, I think, is a good actor. I just disagree with some of his his choices. Mm. Um, I feel like. There, there, there are times where I feel like he should be more. Um, he should be less naive than he is. Hmm. Uh, I don't think uh, of that as a naive character. Oddly enough, I, you know what? I haven't seen it in a long time. Okay, so maybe I have I, seen it relatively recently, actually. But uh, now, and you say that, uh, and this ah, shoot, we've been going for a while. Although I guess it's not two hours and forty minutes, so I guess we're doing all right. But we should wrap up soon, though. Right. But you brought up something with Velvet Goldmine, and you're also bringing it up, I think, with Almost Famous, the idea of music having been a gateway into a very bad uh, sequence of, you know, choices and such. Yeah, especially Um, a lifestyle that, uh, like, on paper seems fun to some people, but is actually really just hollow. Yeah. uh, Here's the thing. My my own... uh, my own moral beliefs aside, ugh, it still doesn't sound good. Like I'm, <laughs> yeah. su- I'm, I'm such a like boring person in general, <laughs> and I don't. I'm pretty sure that is. N- I don't think that's a function of the things I believe. I think it's just like, ugh, who's got the energy for this? <laughs> Admittedly, I understand you have more energy when you do some of these things, but still. Uh, but let me ask you this: so, you say that that music itself is the gateway to this. Do you think that this lifestyle is a byproduct of the music they're playing, or is the lifestyle just its own thing and it has nothing to do with the music? I think the lifestyle is a byproduct of fame. Okay. And these are, you know, because you see it in, in athletes um, and, uh, you know, even politicians and stuff as well right. give, being given to debauchery. And so, I, which leads me to to actually sort of defend, the, not that you were crapping on Velvet Goldmine or, uh, or, it's or a, no, like It's a great that. movie. Yeah. But uh, but in that sense, I don't think the film is being very... Like, music was the gateway for these characters, but it could have been anything. Yeah, anything that allowed them that kind of uh, freedom. You know, like, freedom in a bad way, almost. Yeah. Like, a lack of 
structure. Yeah. And, and a surplus of money. And I think it also is for some reason and with certain with certain genres of music there is a certain lifestyle associated with it. For you know, Tender Mercy's Crazy Heart, it's mm-hmm. about country. So the drug of choice is alcohol. Right. And whereas, you know, when you hear about like a folk musician, pot usually is it. Right. <laughs> uh and so perhaps it is because the 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 music of Velvet Goldmine is, is very anti-establishment and defiant. And so maybe it's that like, well, ideologically, this is the music we're playing. This is the lifestyle we're living. And so we're going to just, you know, give the finger to everything that they say we're not supposed to do. And so maybe it, maybe that it is a function of their fame and what is made available to them because they're famous. But the specifics have to have everything to do with the type mm-hmm. of music they're playing. That sort of dis- dictates the execution of that lifestyle. So I want, I'm sorry. I just wanted to dissect that a little bit more. That's fine. Yeah. So, well, I want to end by doing the thing that I do to keep myself from getting too many emails and mention the big ones that I left off that I didn't get a chance to, to mention. Um, Hedwig and the angry inch Mm -hmm. is a great movie about someone who, uh, is definitely kept down by society and by their own ego Mm -hmm. and then can only be free within the music uh shine i don't know how we didn't talk about shine that's kind oh, of yeah. kind of perfect for this episode and then the real perfect uh double feature companion piece for saturday night fever curtis hansen's eight mile oh yeah so. okay i'll bring up a few and one that i just thought of that i'm surprised because i haven't seen the movie but i know you have and in the spirit of shine it's a movie about somebody who can only express himself through music which is the piano oh yeah which i have not seen but even i know but that's what that's partially what that's about. Yeah. And you know that I love that movie. Right. Um but uh so I asked my uh my wife for help with with mm-hmm. this and she wrote some some things down and uh one of them I was I I looked at and, I, and my first instinct was like, "Oh, my wife." <laughs> and then I thought, "Ah, shoot. Yeah, that's legit." <laughs> and uh it's the movie Sister Act. Ah. Which of course is it goes back to exactly what we're talking about. It's the few people live a more sheltered quiet life uh-huh. and structured life you know than like nuns and the clergy yeah. and so this person comes in and of course she learns to have respect for their way of life but then she also injects some some life into their way of life uh and so and then they discover that not only like they're not being pulled away from their life choices, you know, but in fact, she equips them with something that allows them to more fully express their life choices. And so um and that struck me as as interesting because it's defiant while also uh while also like confirming what they're doing. It's not saying what you've done is wrong, but it's like wouldn't you like would you like to know further more ways to do this? The idea is, is of course, like, you know, praising God, but they're praising God with, like, the most dismal of hymns. Uh-huh. And then she's like, yeah, but is, this is supposed to be, like, vivacious and exciting. So why don't you do this? Mm-hmm. And uh, and so I, that's that's somewhere, it's not subverting anything. And uh, I don't know. Reminds me of another movie about an outsider coming into a somewhat cloistered society 
and through music, teaching them something and learning something himself, which is the Music Man. Ah, which I, I which I've never seen. Oh, n- neither stage nor screen. No, you seen it. No, see it. See, see the movie. It's that's Rex so Harrison. No, uh, no, it's um, shoot. Uh, what's his name? I'm thinking My Fair Lady. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, uh, now I'm drawing a blank. Is it Robert Preston? Is that his name? So yes, it's Robert Preston, okay. who was also great in Victor Victoria, mm-hmm. Blake Edwards' film. All right, and I think that covers everything um, that I absolutely wanted to get to. Are Me you, too. You're good? Yeah. Um, this was a, a fruitful topic and a fun discussion. Absolutely. So uh, you can find us at BattleshipRetention.com or in iTunes. You can email us, David at BattleshipRetention.com or Tyler at BattleshipRetention.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Twitter.com slash ThePretension or follow Tyler on Twitter at Twitter.com slash MoreLessons, which is the official Twitter feed of his other podcast, More Than One Lesson, which you can find at MoreThanOneLesson.com or in iTunes. And you can find my other podcast, the weekly television review show, Previously on at previouslyonshow.com or in iTunes. Uh, real quick, I also wanted to mention uh, we have set up uh, Facebook groups are kind of, uh, I don't know, kind of passe at this point. Okay. Uh, so now there are Facebook fan pages. So we have a fan page for Battleship Pretension that I have not really, I haven't advertised at all. How many all. fans do we have? Uh, at the moment, like 30. Oh, because you haven't advertised it. Right, as opposed to the 500-something uh, okay. members of the group. So, uh so I haven't really been updating the group at all, but I am trying to update the fan page a little bit more often. So uh, go into Facebook, type Battleship Pretension, it'll pop up, and uh, like it, or, yeah. or don't. Well, no, like it. No, that's why I'm saying this. Like it, and, uh, and become a fan of us uh, on Facebook. All right. All right. So thanks, everybody, for listening. Don't forget to donate. This is, the, this is uh, your last week. Yeah, you got seven days to do it. Absolutely. Don't, right. don't put it off. And uh, we'll get you next time. Bye. Bye.